0: Hello, I'm Richard Sargent, and this is Faith in Action, a podcast about how faith affects the way we live and work today. Pizza is known for feeding the grateful stomachs of hungry souls, but how do faith and food mix? In an individualistic consumer culture, does it make any difference what motivates the staff and owners of the restaurants that we frequent beyond a passion for good food? I'm delighted to be joined by Bridget Callaghan, who is building a pizza empire with a business model that's grown out of her faith. I first met Bridget at a a party serving pizza out of a rather stylish Citroen van called the Well-Needed Wagon. Uh, It was love at first sight for their pizza with delicious flavours like Devon blue cheese and pear or salami ricotta and tarragon. But they've recently opened their first restaurant in Earlsfield in London. I wanted to hear more about Bridget's story. Uh, Bridget welcome. Thank you. Bridget what is Well Needed Pizza?
1: Well Needed started to employ marginalised young people from southwest London which is where I'd been doing some youth work at the time so our strap line as it were which says it all is making great pizza to employ great people and everything stems from there.
0: And what is that mission with young people? Uh, How did this come about?
1: It was a a slow bubble, I suppose, of an inspiration that as I was doing some of this detached youth work on an estate behind Capham Junction, I realised that all these young people were enjoying the projects we were running for them. They were engaging, but when I talked to them about the needs that they had in their lives, they needed jobs, But at that stage it was 2011, the riots had just happened and there was a lot of frustration around people just not seeing them Mm. in society and them feeling, them feeling marginalised and that's exactly what was happening. So I set out thinking, can I do something about this? And at the time I'd been thinking about starting a food business, I'd worked in food previously. So I had no idea how to make pizza when we began. (laughs) So, (laughs) So there was a lot that I needed to do, but I thankfully was blind to a lot of the challenges I would face that I now know that I have faced but at the time you had no idea when you start these things so it didn't prohibit me from beginning and trying and we had one young person that I knew would be interested from the beginning who's actually still working for us now which is a story of a miracle in itself <laughs> because he's been with us through the bad times and the good times but yeah so essentially we're, we are doing what we set out to do it, it hasn't looked like what I thought it would look like, but then I'm not sure I exactly knew what that would look like.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned you, you were working on an estate uh, near Clapham Junction. I think this is the Winstanley Estate? Which, yes, which the one
1: Winstanley of Estate.
0: Most um, deprived estates in Europe, I think it was branded at the time. I,
1: yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, it had some good PR. <laughs> it was certainly, in terms of young people in employment, it was registering fairly high. On the unemployment um, scale, so there were a lot of young people around, and there's a, there's one if not two gangs that operate off the estate. Mm-hmm. So, and there's been lots of shootings and stabbings, and just people at their ends really, and caught up in gangs with really no good alternatives and very few role models saying hey why don't you come and do this all of the spiel is there there's lots of amazing charities but if people will only take these young people when they're job ready these young people are never going to get a job because they are never going to be job ready
0: <laughs> and uh, the the connection between that and your youth work and your faith uh, you were doing this in connection with a church and and you're christian why are you christian bridget
1: (laughs) that is the that is one of the best questions i've been asked i think this year if not in my life probably three reasons yes it was in connection with the church with st peter's battersea i was a a very part-time youth worker there for a time and even that was a faith step i when i committed my life to following jesus i remember praying two prayers one was I don't want to work in youth work and the second is I don't want to work in a youth charity. Um, so both of those boxes got fairly shattered straight away but the reason I'm a Christian, I was brought up um, in a family that were probably nominally Christian although we did actually pray before bed. I still haven't got to the bottom of that because none, none of my family currently have an act of faith. I was at a school that did, uh, We there was worship there so I was in an environment uh, that was Christian, though I, again, I wasn't an active, my faith wasn't active at the time. It was really at university, I think, when I started looking at the evidence for Jesus's life and death and resurrection. And I had two friends that were particularly influential, who, one who was a Christian at school, who challenged me a lot on my beliefs. And the second was one of my best friends at school, who became, who met Jesus through a really bad bout of glandular fever. And she I would say she was fairly far away from what I thought of as a Christian before that. So I think seeing the transformation in her really made me think, who on earth is the person behind this? (laughs) And who is this God that she's subscribing to? So it it was at university. I did did an alpha course and started exploring whether Jesus was relevant to me on a day-to-day basis. And it was through an accident, actually, that my brother had that I ended up seeing a miracle of healing that couldn't be explained by the surgeon that was dealing with him at the time and it was through that that I decided to commit my life to working out a little bit more about who who Jesus was and following him.
0: That's really interesting and I suppose a lot of people struggle sometimes to connect what difference people's faith if they're Christian makes to their life because interior lives often aren't Mm -hmm on display and what we see of, of faith in the newspapers or on television isn't always representative either mm. what, what difference does faith make for you
1: mm. it it makes all the difference really in that for me setting up well needed was something i did because of my faith personally i don't think you can look at the life of jesus and not be inspired to serve the poor he spent his life with the, the lost and the last and the least and from the beginning of my Christian life, that caught my attention. So I suppose it was that that inspired me to want to start a business where you employ not the people that are the best suited or skilled for the job, but almost just the people that need the job the most. And then that was seven or eight years ago that I started Well Needed. And during that time, I'd say that we have faced real challenges, challenges with those that we employ, challenges with just running a food business. Anyone in hospitality knows that nearly every week there is a disaster, a drama that feels like it's life or death. Um, It turns out often not to me, but I think the famous psalm with the line, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, and then it goes on to say that the Lord will prepare a feast in the face of my enemies. And I think it's that joy and that perseverance that the life of Jesus if you you just have to open the bible to see that every single person of faith has had to persevere and that gives me hope again and again and again that actually there is so much more to what we're doing than than what we can see and actually it enables me on particularly on my impatient days or the days that I don't give somebody a second chance which does happen um to be able to reevaluate and ask for forgiveness and go again I was brought up in a household where you were fine and everybody's quite capable. They can do things. And I think Jesus has sort of encouraged me to be more vulnerable and be acknowledge my brokenness in it all, which, well, if I hadn't have acknowledged that anyway, I would have learned through well needed, I think. But it's it's enabled me to see there's hope in that, I think, rather than that that is hopeless.
0: Can you think of any stories that illustrate that or or have made your faith visible in some way to the people that you work with, to... To customers uh, it's clearly a, a motivating force behind mm. starting well needed and how's that been displayed how how would staff think of you in connection with faith?
1: Mm. Oh, I think two of the great challenges of running a business are recruitment who you employ and cash flow and I'd say that God shows up time and time again in both of those areas when we don't know who we're going to find for this very niche job that we have going. For example, currently we are advertising for somebody that is excellent with food and also has a background working with marginalised people (laughs) and also is up for probably taking a lower salary than they should but will be up for making pizza and wouldn't mind running a private event now and again. You know, These jobs that we are advertising are impossible because that's the only way we can make it work. But people turn up and people succeed in it and another one is cash flow there are times and there have been recent times extraordinarily recent times where I get to the beginning of a payday and don't know how we're going to pay everybody by the end of it and so far (laughs) so far by the end of it every time we have been able to it doesn't always mean that my husband and I get paid but we do in the end but it, for the team the team are the priority and there is provision for them every time and, and there are times when I've had to be very honest with them and obviously tell them where we've been at and by the end of the day I've been able to say do you know what we're all good carry on so uh, they've they've definitely been inspired in that way I think to to think that there might be somebody else that's got our backs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic uh, and the, the restaurants you shut on Mondays is, is that to give you a break or is that part of a broader plan around having a a day of rest um
1: yeah it is directly inspired by that i think if god if god had a day of rest after creating as the story goes i know that i think of that as a poetic thing but i think it's a big a big signal for us as to how how we can live live sustainably i think we need a day of rest and again that's unusual in the hospitality industry and it felt like a massive risk um because you're essentially you've got lots of fixed costs to cover and you're not yeah making the most of it as some people have said however in terms of employing people you see that on a tuesday morning they're ready to go rather than looking like they need a three-week holiday which (laughs) we can't give them (laughs) so it's it's sustainable and it's hopeful i think it feels like a seed of hope in the week that everybody knows that monday we're not we're not emailing each other we're not working we can have social time if that's what people choose i don't enforce it but that it's a rest time and that's yeah no well needed on a monday
0: have there been any times where you've been employing young people and perhaps they haven't had the assumptions around customer service and that other people working in hospitality might might bring with them into the restaurant
1: mm. their customer service is actually amazing because they're generally more more chatty but they, that can also mean they're bolder in what they comment on and we do have one one member of our team, who I wouldn't call a young person anymore because he's been with us for a while, who did exclaim at somebody's brilliant hair. I think they were sporting a great afro, a few about three back in the queue, and at a, an event, and what he hadn't noticed when he yelled that at this lovely man um, was that there were two gentlemen stood directly in front of him, the man with the good hair, without any hair at all, <laughs> and were left fairly bemused and perhaps slightly offended and I think, yeah, it was a couple of free pizzas headed straight <laughs> way. But Carl has got a brilliant grin. So he I think he grinned it out with him and, and explained.
0: And the food business is, is famously competitive, very tight margins. Lots of businesses turn over uh, mm. and don't, don't make it on a, a high street. I think partly perhaps connected to that in the UK, certainly often businesses are slow to invest in staff. How do you balance that sense of mission, employing perhaps the people who need the job the most rather than being the best qualified without risking them just leaving it and going somewhere else? And how do you work with the commercial pressures to limit the time and effort necessary to support staff to perform in their roles with that sense of mission?
1: Mm. Oh, I'm not going to lie. It, I don't know that I've got the answer to that yet exactly, but I've got some insights if anyone out there. Can help? Then I'm always I'm (laughs) always willing to take advice. But I think I started this business to see if it was possible. I didn't start as a charity because I didn't want people to feel like charity cases, as it were. Although I love, yeah, charities do amazing work. It's just not the way that I chose to do it. And I think that that is a challenge. I've bought a challenge on ourselves by doing by choosing that path. it's it's not an obvious path. And I think balancing commercial pressures and pastoral values of nurture within a food context, I think it is, it's as close to impossible as you're ever going to get. <laughs> but within every manager's job description is a time where they can meet up with the people they're managing. And they find it hard to make that time. But one of the check-ins that I'll have with them is if they have made that time. Or if something's come up with one of their team that they actually approach them and talk about it or they meet for breakfast, even if that feels like an effort and we pay yeah. for that, they can expense it. It's just it's sort of small things like that where people know that they have got time for each other. And we make sure that we have staff nights out or days out or whatever. And team training days to just keep underlining that fact that we mm-hmm. do really care. And we do care. We we acknowledge that of all the industries, hospitality relies the most on the people it employs. Yeah. Because actually you can't do it single-handedly. Yet you could be a consultant single-handedly. You cannot run a restaurant single-handedly. So we rely on our team in order to succeed.
0: Yeah. And Bridget, you you started with the the well-needed wagon. You've now got the restaurant. Uh, how are you planning to move on? It, mm-hmm. it, I presumably consolidate for a little while. But is this something that could scale even further?
1: Yeah, I think we've thought about franchise. But I think that would be really challenging with the people we're employing. You'd either be asking a lot of them or a lot of somebody else if they if if the, the young people part of it continues to be part of the blueprint of well needed, which it always will. So I think we are thinking about a second. We would need to raise some investment for that. But ideally, we'd be able to finance. We'd like to get to a stage with a restaurant where we could finance a good amount of that from restaurant income so that would that's going to take a little while but we'd probably be looking at potentially something like a hatch almost like a hole in the wall on a high street that needs that locally would be one option and another option would be another sort of similar 30 cover space like we've got and i think that would be within the next couple of years ideally in order to keep moving we really need to grow the our capacity to employ and train and with restaurants, normally you need about two or three before you've got any extra cash to to really have an impact. Uh,
0: and if people want to get involved it, with your mission, how, how could they help, uh, aside from coming to Ellsfield and, <laughs> and eating delicious pizza?
1: I think I'm always interested. We've got some amazing investors at the moment on board who who really had a passion to put their money, their time into something that was doing more than just making them more money. Yeah. and. I'm always, sometimes they invest in with their money, sometimes they invest with their time, I think we are always in search of people with specialised skills, whether it's, whether it's sort of counselling, or whether it's helping me with a team, or some training, or a bit of consulting on different areas, those I'm always open to, we're aware of our, well I'm probably not aware of all my blind spots, but I'm aware of, <laughs> I feel like I'm aware of a fair few of them, so that's one way I'm always up for meeting and chatting, and if, if investing money is something people are interested in we're not we're not we haven't currently got a round open but we're anybody that wants to be part of the well-needed vision and team can be and you know other than that if they're having a party I suppose they could think about hiring the wagon but yeah I think there are lots of ways of getting involved it might be mentoring a young person if that's where their skills lie it could be mentoring me (laughs) mentoring any of us Uh, we all we all need it so yes we are open to adding to the family
0: Well, Bridget, thank you so much for coming in. It's really inspiring story and business as well as being delicious. So thank
1: you. Oh, thanks for having me.